This is the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What is going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome back to the Oil and Gas Startups Podcast. Really quickly, we haven't done any announcements in a while. Um, that's usually because we batch these episodes, but this is actually going to be released tomorrow. So many of you are going to be in town for NAEP during the first week of February, and all of us know that the best business is done at the after parties. So that being said, we've partnered up with a few of our buddies in the energy tech community, Trax, Mineralware, Grouper, and Well Database for the NAEP after party you don't want to miss. It's going to be at BBVA Stadium on Thursday, February 6th. First off, the great Texas country legend, Wade Bowen will be performing, and we will be doing a live roundtable discussion with some of the Energy Tech founders in this space right before that. Uh, this event is invite only, and risk buttons are going to be limited. Uh, so click the link in the description for more details, and we will see you there. This week, we sat down with Chris Bentley of Bellatorm Resources. From the moment that I met Chris, I just knew that this was going to be a great episode. I loved how Chris really dove into the ups and downs of his story, including his transition from being a gunnery sergeant in the United States Marine Corps to a landman to running his own mineral fund. Uh, so we really hope you enjoy this episode as much as we enjoyed making it. Uh, but really quickly, before we get into the episode, as many of you know, one of the largest lease operating expenses is typically going to be electricity. The sad thing is it's really hard to know whether the power company is charging you too much, especially during those summer months. On top of that, most power companies are small co-ops. They don't really offer you a whole lot of support. If you have listened to episode 38, you know Pumpjack Power is trying to change that. They're the first and only retail electricity provider designed to exclusively serve the oil and gas industry. That means across upstream, midstream, and downstream. So now for the first time ever, small and mid-sized operators can purchase power directly in the wholesale market, just like the super majors do. What I like about Pumpjack Power, first and foremost, is the people. Ryan Knuckles and Waylon Johnson not only have an extensive oil and gas power experience, but they're truly great guys. But what I like is that they also offer risk mitigation tools to help customers minimize congestion charges, and they work directly with utilities on power installation development to bring projects online as quickly as possible. So if you have wells in Texas and you want to save 20 to 40% on power or have a new project you need to get online as soon as possible, reach out to them at their website at www.pumpjackpower.com or you can simply click the link in the description below. What's going on, Digital Wildcatters? Welcome back to another episode of the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast. Let's get right into it, man. I'm excited. We had a great conversation before we got to the mic, then we had to shut up. I know. I hate when guests talk too much. I'm like... Hey, shut up, shut up. We gotta be quiet. We gotta save this for the, the episode. So today we got my man, Chris Bentley with Bellatorum Resources. Chris, how are you doing? Doing well. Thanks for having me on guys. Hey man, thanks for, thanks for coming on. So first I have no idea what you guys do. I'm gonna, gonna decipher the name here, Bellatorum, Bellatorum Resources. I'm assuming you guys are in the upstream space, either EMP or minerals or something. So tell us what you do. We're like upstream MMA, so um, we do like Fight Club events. Um, no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, we're uh, hold on. I'm taking notes. Where do these events? Where do these events happen? <laughs> no, we buy and sell mineral rights in okay. Texas, and uh, Bellatorum is the plural form of the word Bellator, which uh, means warrior, soldier, and so we're like a veteran-owned and operated company. So 
that's where the name comes from. Oh, that's really oh, interesting. Yeah, you, were in, so, so, you were in the Marines, right? Yeah. 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 What, what years were you in? Uh, 99 to 2013. I got out as a gunnery sergeant. Really? Yeah. We got out at the same time. Really? I got out, dis- actually, no, I got out December 12th. You were in crime platoon, right? I saw your communications guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I was in uh, yeah, 1st MLG CLR-17, uh, comm company maintenance platoon. All right. So I fixed all the shit you guys broke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, uh, like, I just found out why Bellator is called Bellator, the fighting championship. Makes sense. Yeah. If it's just abbreviated from that. Yeah. So I think you were saying that how many employees do you have? 17? Yeah, counting myself. Yeah. yeah. Um. So 17 and then 14 of those that are veterans, right? Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's it's hard to find veterans with oil and gas experience, but uh, we we really try hard to. Yeah. So, guys, we had, a, we had to take a quick pause because we actually had an issue. And I think you know that we switched to this new studio downtown, and somehow we're picking up radio frequencies, and they were singing in, in the background. thought I was going crazy there for a minute. So if you hear a little bit of uh, background uh noise going on or some singing i promise it's not jake it's uh i remember the early days of the iphones if you had an iphone next to headphones you can actually overhear some people's calls sometimes yeah i I forgot about that yeah yeah Yeah. that's so craziness yeah i still hear all right anyways we're we're getting (laughs) off we're getting off topic all right so chris you were in from you said 99 to uh 2013 what was your mos I was an 0431 logistics guy i um i moved around a lot i did um I was with air wing units, artillery unit, infantry unit. Uh, I did an embedded training team deployment where I was embedded with Afghan infantry unit and operated with them. And then my last tour, I did a total of six deployments in the support of the global wow. war on terrorism. And the last one, I was attached to MARSOC. So I'm not like a, a snake eater, you know, special operator, but I got to go and yeah. and pretend for, for a while. <laughs> you got that to I tag was, along. Huh? Yeah, That's I pretty got cool. to tag along. So. Where were you at most of the time? Where were you stationed? Oh, I was all over, man. I was in Southern California, North Carolina, Hawaii. So that Damn, was a tough life. The, I spent all four <laughs> years in California. I spent the first year in uh, 29 Palms. Yeah. Oh, lovely yeah. place. Oh, yeah. uh, and then uh, the last three at Pendleton. Okay. Yeah, so Pendleton's I, nice. I had no complaints. Met my wife out there. Drug her back to Houston. The rest <laughs> is kind of history. Just dove head first in oil and gas. So, so I guess that's my next question. Yeah, so how yeah. Did you, how'd you get in oil and gas? I mean, that's that's the oh, next logical man. question. So um, while I was in the Marine Corps, I got a degree in political science. Okay. I thought I was going to be a lifer. Okay, so I was like, what degree should I get if I'm going to, you know, I want to be a general one day or something. So I got a political science degree with like a focus in international relations. And uh, I got medically discharged in 2013 unexpectedly. It wasn't part of the plan. Is it just something that just happened? Was it? Yeah, I hurt my shoulder on one of my deployments, and I got okay. surgery. And during the downsizing, I think I was still good for duty. But um, I don't know if y'all remember, but in 2012, 2013, under the Obama administration, they uh, they downsizing, cutting the mm-hmm. military budget. So it was like if you had an ingrown toenail, they were kicking you out. Yeah. So um, I had a, I mean, I had a serious shoulder injury, but I. Uh, I got surgery and I was on the, you know, rehabilitation plan, but they were axing people who had like anything, you know? So I was bitter actually, you know, I, uh, it wasn't part of my plan, but, um, I'm from Texas. I grew up in Tyler, Texas. I don't know if you are familiar with yeah. that town, but yeah, it's kind of in Tyler. My ranch is out in Chandler. Nice. Okay. Yeah. yeah East Texas. So it's an oil, it's oil country, you know, there's yeah. some history there. There's, um, so anyway, I, I was fed up with the, 
with the military, right? And uh, I knew I wanted to get in the private sector. I knew I wanted to come back to Texas. And the only job you can get in the oil and gas industry, I shouldn't say the only job. It was my experience that the only job you could get that had decent pay with a political science degree was a landman. So I got a job as a landman. I had to shake like 5,000 hands and finally, you know, go to all these networking events and apply for, you know, hundreds and hundreds of jobs. And this guy, uh, Mike McMullen, who's actually an Army veteran, he runs, well, at the time, he was like the head guy in this land brokerage company. And he's like, I'll give you a shot. You, you present yourself well. You have no experience, but I'll take a chance, you know. So I just uh, got a job working. I was in uh, working in Brazoria County doing some pipeline easement work and a little bit of subsurface stuff. And then on the, I, I worked with this other company um, doing some mineral rights um, brokering and yeah. just acquisition stuff on the side and just learning the business. And then I got laid off in uh, like literally a few days before Christmas in 2015. So oh, I worked. Terrible. Yeah, I worked all of 2014 and on all, most of 2015. You know, yeah. just a few few days before Christmas, and uh, so then started Bellatorum in May of 2016, and uh, we've just grown from there. So you're like, you know what? If you, yeah, <laughs> you can't fire gonna, yourself. Yeah, you can't fire yourself. So I might as well yeah. do something. And it's funny because that's, I know it's not really funny, but it's, it's my story was the exact same. You know, I got out end of 2012, came into oil immediately, you know, started to start up. And then once the downturn like really hit, I had to lay everybody off. You know, we went from being a 20 person organization to now it was back to me, the co-founder and like two of our guys, you know, and so that was, uh, that was rough. So it's, it's also rough that you started it right there and started Bellatorum right there in 2016. So what was kind of your mindset coming in? Did, we, did you feel kind of beat down from oil? Did, you, did that kind of cross your mind of like, maybe I'll leave the industry? You were like, no, fuck it. I'm, I'm doubling down. No. So, you know, I, um, I tried when I started Bellatorum, as you know, I mean, you, anybody can start a company, get on the secretary of state website, you know, <laughs> pay that $300 filing yeah, fee. And you exactly. Can have company, yeah. So, you know, Hey, I'll promote myself to CEO in like 15 minutes. On <laughs> there the way, you go. You know? But, um, no, I, uh, I, I wasn't hung up, but you know, challenges never, um, scared me or anything. I, I really liked the industry. I liked the job. I knew there were still opportunities, you know, it's just some companies got fat during the, yeah. you know, $130 oil. Hey, let's hire a bunch of people and that we may yeah, not increase need. our GNA. Yeah. So, um, no, I was, I was not scared of it, but I did try to find another job. I wasn't, you know, my wife is super risk averse. So she was like, you need to get a job, you know, with like <laughs> guaranteed paycheck every yeah. first and the 15th. So I tried that and doing Bellatorum part-time and I'm just, I'm a firm believer. You can't be a part-time entrepreneur now. I tried it. It's it, you yeah. know, for me anyway, it yeah. didn't work. I know some people have side hustles out there that do well for them, but, um, I worked for a few months at this e-commerce company doing business development and, um, just didn't work out. Wouldn't, I didn't have the passion, didn't, yeah. wasn't motivated. Yeah. And, uh, I've always had like an entrepreneurial spirit. I think my, you know, my mother and my, my dad both were like entrepreneurs. And, uh, so I was like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go all in. And, um, my wife, I actually, you know, we couldn't afford to like hire staff and everything, but we needed at least one person. And so I was like, you need to quit your job. She was a management consultant. I mean, she was doing good work. She'd had projects at Chevron, BP, scientific drilling. She was doing change management and like ERP implementations, yeah. making pretty good money. 
And I was like, this is better. We can look, you know, the typical <laughs> entrepreneur waving my hands like, it's going to be awesome, you know? And, um, and she's like, you know, show me the numbers. Where's the business plan, you know, and all that. And so we talked about it and she's like, all right, if you can put uh, at least like five months of savings in there, I'll give you a chance. I'll quit my job and help you out. So like I went out and hustled, closed some deals and uh, I, t- I screenshotted her from my phone, uh, like when the deposit came in the account, and we like we closed one deal that was pretty good, and yeah. and I, I screenshotted her. I said, "Put in your two weeks notice," you know. <laughs> she said, "Okay," and she did. And she did and it. So, yeah, she quit. That's awesome. And we uh, we started working together. We we Bellatorum started as primarily doing like services for a mineral buying company. We had one client, and so we were doing that, and. Um, I mean, really, that's it was like that almost all of 2016, and we were just doing work and, you know, billing invoicing, getting, you know, like a commission or whatever, but we're doing it through the company. And, um, you know, things started going sour, as they do sometimes with business relationships. I didn't agree with the way they were, the way they were doing things or expecting us to do things. And yeah. And I'll, oh, by the way, at the meantime, I was at Rice getting my MBA in this executive MBA program while I'm like working full time with the company and, you know, coaching soccer and all that stuff. So <laughs> it adds up, right? Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> but um, the, uh, you know, so then we really went out on our own and we raised like a fund and we were like, you know, I don't like working for these guys. I feel undervalued. I feel like they're, you know, they don't know they're not doing it the right way and we should be doing it a different way so we raised what we called our our first our micro fund it was a few of my friends at rice and bought some deals and you know aggregated a little bit of a package and flipped it and made did pretty well and then that word spread um one of the cool things is at rice in the executive mba program they assign you a mentor and i got super lucky have you ever heard of sun and ski sports yeah Okay, so the guy who founded Sun and Ski Sports, his name's Barry Goldware. He's like, he's awesome dude. He was also an Army veteran, by the way. Oh, really? So, the Mar- like, they give me shit all the time because they're like, you're like, you're, you're a Marine. You know, you guys are chest pounders, so proud of yourselves. And you've been helped out by the Army so much. Like, you know, <laughs> Mike McMullen, Army veteran, the guy that hired me my first job out of the Marine Corps, Army veteran. And then Barry Goldware, Army veteran, you know. so. Um, but Barry was, uh, you know, back in the Vietnam era, uh, Army veteran. And, and then he founded Sun and Ski Sports, grew it to like, I don't remember how many, a lot of stores nationwide. Mm -hmm. And he had sold it, I guess, a few years ago before I met, a few years before I met him. And um, he was my mentor. And he's like, what do you do for a living? You know, a lot of people don't even know what mineral rights are. (laughs) And uh, he's like, what's that? So he came out to my office and was like, how can I get involved? And I was like, I didn't, we had never had this concept of the investor thing, right? I didn't even think about raising capital. I was just, we were spending our own money and yeah. You know, and he's like, look, I'll give you a little bit of money. I'll get some of my friends. You get some of your friends. And he, he kind of schooled me up on that. And I was like, so we put together that micro fund yeah. I was telling you about. So we did, we aggregated a little bit. We flipped it at like six months later and did well. And he was like, man, this is awesome. So let's let's stop real quick and, and talk about this a little bit more. I don't know if you can disclose the amount that you raised, but a lot of people, Jake and I see this all the time. We get so many messages Hey, how how did how did you guys go buy wells, or how do you buy minerals? And I think a lot of people don't understand the concept of syndicating capital, 
you know, if you go find, you know, a couple guys like this, they'd all can, you know, throw in, I don't know, you know, maybe it's $1,500,000 a piece, whatever it mm-hmm. is. And you start to, you know, piece it together. And all of a sudden you've got a little bit of purchasing power, right? So, so you guys go and get, you know, how many, did you have like five people in there? Yeah. So it was six people total and we had $400,000. Nice. So that was our first little, like, we call it a microfund. It really wasn't a fund, which, you know, I don't want to yeah. split hairs about what, what well, the what's fund, a fund and what is not. It, yeah. But what we did is it was people we knew, we started an LLC. Mm-hmm. And then that LLC was, uh, the managing member was, was Bellatorum, and, and it was a subsidiary of Bellatorum. And then the other six people were members, but not yep. managing members, right? Yep. Yeah. So that's where we bought the deals, and um, and then we flipped them, you know, and then we made it. And so that was 2017 i think in late 2017 and um so this is a know, pretty pretty traditional structure you know just anyone that's listening that's not familiar with it you know maybe they're like you and they're like land services focused and you know maybe they're thinking about jumping into you know quote unquote raising a fund but you know you have you have your llc which is kind of like your holding company and then you have the subsidiary company and that's where everyone's money went into was that subsidiary company. Right. So you had six people put in $400,000 into that. Boom, they go and buy that the asset. And then you guys are the GP or the managing right. partner. You're managing everything. Everyone else is just LPs. They have right. no say in how, how the asset's managed. So exactly. Just yeah. um, Then yeah, are you guys going in packaging up minerals, or is it just one big acquisition and you guys flipped it? No, no it was packaged small deals. And, you know, the way it started, too, was like, the company I was providing the service for um, would tell me they wanted all these deals and that they, you know, they wanted to buy them and then they'd back out of them and and they started like saying, oh, well, that, you know, tell them a lie or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we don't want that deal anymore for whatever reason. You know, there were various reasons of why they wouldn't want the deal. And... I was the one getting egg on my face from the the yeah. mineral owner, you know, and I'm thinking, and I'm like, well, what's wrong with this deal? So, you know, I'm in Houston, I'm in at Rice, I've got friends that are geologists and engineers, and I'm like, because I'm I'm just a stupid landman with a political science degree, <laughs> right? I'm like, I need some people that are smart. Yeah, exactly. And so I go like, ask my buddy, I'm like, why? What's wrong with this property? Why wouldn't the person want it? And they're like, you know, they took the time, dove in, looked at the rock, look at the reservoir, you know, the EURs and the wells around the area. I was like, oh, this is good acreage, man. You, I mean, why don't they, like, I'll buy it, you know? Yeah. So we were like, okay. So that happened a few times. So that's when we bought it ourselves, you know, because uh, we didn't have any sort of contractual agreement with this company where, you know, and at first I was like, are y'all sure you don't want this? Like this landowner's pissed off, you know, they want to sell their minerals. And that's, yeah. it's most mineral owners do not want to sell their minerals. So if you get one that does, and then you sent them an offer and then you say, "Never mind, I don't want to. I mean, that's, you know, yeah. that's it. That can, you can get into bond. So anyway, that's how it really started too, is like, well, I'll buy it, you know, and start small. And then anyway, so, um, we did those deals right in the LLC. And then in 2018, we actually raised a limited partnership with like a reg D exemption with the sec, a proper fund, a proper fund, you know, a lawyer, it was, <laughs> uh, God bless them, you know, <laughs> expensive, you know, and I, I could, we could do hours of podcasts on just lessons learned on how to launch a fund correctly, yeah. because believe me, it has been a huge ass pain. Like we're, we're about to be on our fourth 
proper fund. Yeah. And we're still I'm ironing sure you, out. I'm sure things. you learned something. Yes. Every, every, every iteration. Time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that was 2.3 million, 2.36 million. And we launched that in January of 2018. And that one only had a one year lockup. So we, we operated from January of 2018 to December. So we had to be out of the capital, like aggregate, flip. Well, we did really well. We actually recycled the capital a couple of times. So within a year? Mm hmm. Wow. Yeah. So we did really well, and you can, as you can imagine, all those investors like went and told their friends, and so we launched another one. And then January of 2019, we were in a 23 million dollar fund. Shit, <laughs> yeah. So what, what's so the actual 10x? I mean, uh, uh, the original fund. Yeah. So the deal, can, the deal is obviously probably the length that it takes to do a deal, the time it takes to do the deal, probably depends on the size of the deal. Yeah. What, what is the average like for you guys? Oh man, we don't discriminate. We've literally bought deals that were like 450 dollars. Damn, that low? Yeah. And so I was going to ask you this earlier. I was like, hey, what's like, you know, in the early stages, you guys were buying up these small deals. Oh, yeah. You know, what's what's a small, small deal for someone? So, you know, someone that's out there, you know, say that you have, you know, together, you kind of get some guys and you scrape up 50, 50 Gs. I mean, you could go out there and find something. I don't know in today's climate if you could, but back then you guys were doing it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um Small deals, a few hundred dollars, like I said. Um, we've done, I think our biggest single deal that we've done is $6 million deal, is $6 million. But it wasn't, um, it was one family, but their acreage, they owned minerals in several counties, you know, spread out between the Permian and the Eagleford. So we did that, that deal in 2019. That was our biggest. Um, but because we're like, quick aggregators you know i think a lot of mineral funds they'll be like five to seven years you know and then they'll have an exit to a big institution where yeah. where i say like that's where the mineral rights go to die right they're gonna every like <laughs> that's the, the yeah those guys aren't um selling them mm -hmm. you know most of the time so we usually aggregate and then sell to that like next tier to that mid-level yeah, five to seven year holder yeah. yeah and um you know i think we'd like to have some more patient capital, but it's, it's hard to raise patient capital. Yeah. So for sure. most of those guys are private equity backed, maybe a, a, a mix of private equity and ultra high net worth, like I mean, family the, offices. The patient capital is going to be more institutional investors, yeah. you know, that are really just looking, you know, they, they're fine with a seven, 10 year hold as long yeah. as they can generate, um, a nice yield off of it. So, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, so it's like that's one thing we've in you know this fund that we're on right now is an eighteen month lockup. So I went from a one year to an eighteen month. Our next one's a three year. So I'm, you have to incrementally as you build your track record, you know, like walk it up, little, get a little bit bit in better terms every year. Yeah. You know? so, so do you, is it pretty much the same formula like you said? You get the capital in, you do as many deals, you recycle the capital. Yes. You just have to be out by. Whatever the term by is. the lockup date when it's yeah. over, and during that time we'll distribute whatever profits, but we'll recycle the principal. So Does that you, makes sense. Yeah. So do yeah. you guys? Do you guys make? Is it is it more like a two and twenty kind of like private equity? Is that how it's structured? Or um, yeah, how do mineral funds actually make their money? So look, I've heard. I don't. I haven't looked at my competitors' PPMs. So I wish I could. That'd be great. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I have heard that the you know the it's a typical two and twenty structure. You know, you got a preferred eight. Let's call it eight percent preferred return, and then after that, it's a 
twenty eighty split, twenty mm-hmm. to the GP and eighty to the investor. Yeah. Um, I will say ours was not structured that way, but if you ran the economics, probably very similar. It was. It's about how we ran our expenses mm-hmm. and versus the promote we got and where we ran the expenses through. Yeah. So, I mean, I can talk about mine openly and what I think other people are like. I, I've heard that other funds get to run their expenses through the fund. And yeah. so they're not like worried about overhead so much. I'm not saying they can, you know, make it rain and everything. And, <laughs> but, uh, you know, their salaries are covered. Yeah. Um, I haven't been paying myself a salary until last year. Yeah. And I made a, I, I paid myself $66,000. So Very uh, modest. I'm, yeah. yeah. It, <laughs> I'm not a, you know, we're still bootstrapping it in yeah. my opinion because we pay our overhead with the promote. Well, it's part, so. it's part of the problem with two and twenty splits and private equity is like I laugh at all these green funds that everyone's raising because I believe deep down that private equity looks at these green funds and they're like, man, we can't make a fucking return in this, but they don't care as long as they raise the capital, they're gonna get their two and twenty right. So I guess they're incentivized, you know, once they break, you know, once they pay out. You know, they'd take their 2080 or whatever it may be. But I think that's, you know, kind of an underlying problem with private equity structure in the first place or fund structure is that as long as you keep raising capital, you're going to be able to, you're going to be able to pay yourself pretty lofty. And if you're yeah. running expenses through the fund as well, yeah, you, know, you don't have to be as price sensitive. Right. And we don't, right. We don't currently run our expenses through the fund and it's stressful. I'll be honest. Like we, um, that's we turn over capital quickly because we don't, we can't get paid until we turn a profit. Until you turn know? A profit yeah. And so, um, you know, I've got, like I said, a staff of 17 and, um, how long did it take you guys to start building the team up? Cause 17 people's pretty, uh, it, pretty I mean, big. it took some time. I, I, um, you know, it was just my wife and I to start in 2016. I think in January of 2017, I hired a guy as a contractor, one of my classmates at Rice, and we always knew it would be temporary, just literally helping me do like some data analysis and, yeah. you know, cleaning up the tax roll data and things like that. And um, and then I brought on a partner um, in 20, in like April of 2017 and, um, you know, didn't pay him a salary, just gave him some equity. Mm-hmm. And um, then we hired a guy. Uh, our first real employee we hired later, like a few months later in 2017, and uh, he's still with us today. Uh, his, his name's Bill Black. He's uh, He was a landman at Noble Energy. Got him to quit over there and uh, come join us. So sorry, Noble, if that was uh, poaching. But uh, Close proximity to where the office is at, Exactly. Right? <laughs> yeah, it was an easy, uh, easy jump for him. But um, Chris is hanging outside of Noble's office, just yeah. like passing out flyers out of his trench coat like, hey. Looking for a job. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Because, you know, I'm not a seasoned landman. Like, I'm good at, I, you know, figuring stuff out and how to get a deal. And I'm, I know enough to be dangerous. But I needed some real landman. And my first partner was a, is a really awesome landman. His name's Isaac Kahn. He's, uh, he's not with the company anymore because he has an army of children that uh, need their dad around. <laughs> yeah. But uh, he, they just, he just had his uh, fifth. His wife had their fifth son. Oh, wow. wow. So they got five sons. That's a lot yeah. of kids. <laughs> so, yeah, he recently just exited the company um, amicably and everything. Just, uh, you know, that having that, le- being a partner, as you guys know, you guys are entrepreneurs, being a partner and, and the the responsibility comes with that. And then the responsibility comes with being a dad of five. You yeah, know? absolutely. He, gotta, he had his priorities right. And he always did. 
Um, but so, so we hired in, let me think in 2017, I think that was it. It was Bill, Isaac, myself. And then in 2018, we really started growing. You know, we had that first proper fund as we were referring to it. And, um, just doing deals and was like, man, we got more volume. We knew it. We can't keep up. And so we we're primarily landmen. Yeah. So Isaac actually started this, uh, LinkedIn page called military landmen. Oh yeah. <laughs> Dude, like overnight it went from Isaac and I to like 150 people. Like it, I just, who would have known? Right. So we hired the next, uh, few people we hired moved from out of state to join us. So really, yeah. Um, it was dedication. Seriously. It was awesome. Like, uh, we had a guy move from West Virginia, Navy veteran, uh, army veteran moved from Louisiana. And these are seasoned landmen, like awesome dudes. Like, yeah. know what they're doing, have a lot of experience, you know, did like their four or five years in the military and then got out and became a landman. So, um, so that was really cool. So now, um, yeah, so we kind of you see how we kind of progress. I mean, we we when we divested that uh, twenty seventeen or sorry twenty eighteen fund, we and we immediately launched the next one. Um, you know, and that was t- just under twenty three million. So very cool. Yeah, but you know, with our fund, like I was saying, you know, a two percent management fee on. 23 million is not that much mm-hmm. when you talk about yeah. overhead, if you're not allowed to run any expenses through that and you got exactly. to deploy all that capital into deals. But yeah, we deployed all that capital in like a month and a half. Did you really? Yep. Wow. The, the mineral deals. Y'all That's hard to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know you guys had to be on the phones nonstop. Oh man. Calling up. And the guy in the courthouses sending people out. I mean, yeah, my, I mean, my, my team is phenomenal. I can't say how, enough how awesome they are. How's the whole working with your wife thing? Oh man, we she's probably in here. Better. Better. You better so. watch out. She's listening. So <laughs> yeah, um, she probably won't. She doesn't like hearing my voice that much. No. <laughs> um, I have to hear him talk no. enough. I don't want to listen to a podcast. You know, it's funny. We were just talking about that at lunch today. Um, we, it was hard. Yeah, it's hard. And she's a she's a Type A person too. You know, and she, like I said, she had that management consulting job. I mean, she's mm-hmm. she's uh, sharp. And uh, but we also have two kids, and so. We like tried. Have y'all been together since the whole Marine Corps? Oh yeah, she yeah she's so she's been through she's all been that. through deployments okay. to Afghanistan and you know, our cool. ki- our first our firstborn kid has as well. Um, but um, yeah, so we recently I think up until the middle of last year she was still like I mean we shared an office and she was like integral and we we're like this isn't sustainable you know like you're either going to stab me in the throat one day or, you know, I'm going to say something <laughs> that's, that I'll never get forgiven for. So, um, she's more of like special projects now mm-hmm. she'll, you know, she knows the business in and out. So if we're like bandwidth constrained and it's something where we just, you know, she needs to come in and help, she'll do it. Um, but she's not like at the office every day yeah. anymore. So, and she's actually, we started uh, a couple of nonprofits and she runs those. Oh, really? Yeah. What kind of, I mean, what's the, what's the thesis of the nonprofits? So I know I'm, man, I might be damaging my credibility here, but I'm a huge soccer fan. Okay. And I, you know, in Texas, that's kind of, that's a very, uh, yeah, you're an outlier in oil and gas. I don't know. Probably the first soccer fan I've met. It's not international oil and gas. 
Well, that means you need to come to our Nate party, which is going to be at BBVA Stadium. Well, yeah. Nice. Here's, yeah. a, here's a plug for the Nate party, guys. Be looking out for it. Renting out the uh, soccer stadium with tracks and a couple of other guys. So Nice. Yeah, are we use tracks. I know Lester. Oh, you know tracks? Yeah, Le- <laughs> Lester's a Rice uh, NBA. Shout as out, well. yeah. Shout yeah. out yeah. to Lester. Yeah. yeah. Lester's a good friend. Mm-hmm. And good friend I, ha- I haven't met Ashley in person yet, but uh, I hear he's a cool guy. Yeah, Ashley's yeah, a good friend. I want to introduce you guys. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we're friends with the whole team over there. So cool. Good group of people. Yeah, dude, we use tracks. We love it. Um so, tracks gonna have to use this as prom- promotion material. <laughs> yeah, I gave him a shout out at one of these conferences too, like because they asked a question about you know how do you use technology in the mineral buying business. I said, well, tracks is a good example. <laughs> Everybody knows about drilling info already, yeah, so for sure. you know, yeah. But um, no, where were we, man? I don't even know. Squirrel, yeah, <laughs> kind of sidetracked. There. So your so your wife is not super integral anymore. Oh, the, our nonprofits. Yeah, the nonprofits. Yeah, there we so go. The, so the soccer is relevant to the nonprofit. We um, we started, along with some other friends, uh, a Christian-based soccer academy okay. to where the kids go to school and play soccer at school. It's called Crossbar Academy. If you know about soccer, the crossbar is the top bar, and you know if you can hit it on purpose, then you're, you you're, know, you're pretty good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway... Um, We've got Crossbar Academy, and she really focuses on that. And then we have the Bellatorum Foundation, which is focused on helping veterans. So, you know, she, cool. they're not like staffed up big yeah. organizations, but they still need management. And um, the school is actually, you know, we have a – it's our first year, first school year. It started in um, August of 2019. So we have 17 students. They're a team and a class. They're all the same age group. That's such a cool concept. Yeah. And you know what? I was, it's so – the thinking is, you know, there's all, obviously the Christian component that, that, that we feel strongly about, but also the reason Americans suck at soccer is because, you know, we don't play it enough. It's yeah. not that we don't have the best athletes, some of the best athletes in yeah. the world here. It's just, it's not a popular sport yet. Well, all around the world, the academy thing is like normal. Like Messi went to school playing soccer. Like that was, oh really? Yeah. It was like, Hey, you can, you can just do your math. Like you know, yeah. but you need to spend three to four hours a day <laughs> kicking, touching kicking the, ball. the ball. Yeah. yeah. So we, uh, you know, that 10,000 hour rule type thing there, the kids are practicing three to four hours a day with like skilled instructors. Mm-hmm. And then they do their curriculum, which is way more efficient when they're in the classroom for the other four hours yeah. a day, you know, not changing classes or whatever, but they're in there and we have an actual teacher up there helping and everything. So that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. I always think about soccer. Like think about if, America's best athletes grew up playing soccer. I mean, it's not that we have a shortage of athletes, right? I mean, we've got all the best athletes in the world. Or not yeah. all of them, but majority of them play in uh, leagues here. So, like, imagine, like, you know, your LeBron James or yeah. your, like, Kobe Bryant, you know, playing soccer. I mean, they just be absolutely I think Terrell amazing. Owens tried to play for, like, an MLS team yeah, or something. I remember, <laughs> remember, you'd always see him kicking the ball around. And, like, that dude would be a monster, right? I say the same thing about uh, – I'm a big fan of fighting and you see like these NFL, like, you know, take like, uh, you know, Hardy, for example, you know, he gets kicked out of the NFL and he goes right into the UFC, like a year of training and he's in the UFC. And I mean, that's just cause these guys are beast, right? Yeah. So, can you imagine like JJ Watt being in, like, playing oh, soccer man. and he's yeah, like, come yes. I'd be like, no, nah. no, I can't imagine. Cause <laughs> I'm out of your way, man. <laughs> Brian Cushing trains jujitsu now at Gracie Baja West Chase in Houston, him and Arian Foster. And I'll tell you like, dude, I don't want any piece of Brian Cushing right. on the mat. It's like, that's a big, that's a big boy. So, yeah. And speaking of uh, fighting, so I just uh, I took a look at y'all's website real quick before you came in, and I saw that y'all had uh, Jocko 
come in yeah. and speak to the really? company. Yeah. So yeah. Like, they had pictures with Jock over there. So tell yeah. us a little bit about that. And, well, and the way I made this transition, just if you guys don't know, Jocko's a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, motivational speaker. He's got a couple great books, uh, Extreme Ownership uh, and the... Uh, Dichotomy of yeah, Leadership. Yeah, there you, you know, go. Yep. Leadership Strategy and Tactics that just came out last week. So Yeah. yeah so how was that, having him oh, speak man. to the company? It was awesome. Um, you know, he's a, he's a was a really humble, great guy. I mean, we got to spend close one-on-one time with him. Yeah. I'll tell you... You know, there's a uh, Jocko's consulting company for leadership and management is uh, Echelon Front. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's that we wanted to kick off the year with a motivational, you know, a business kind of a cool business thing that had value, not just some famous guy coming to speak, right? Yeah. So, if you're familiar with extreme ownership, you know, it's not it's it's like taking control and like you own everything, and you know, it's it's your baby, you gotta yeah. own it, right? Yep. But um this guy that I actually worked for in the Marine Corps, he was like my first officer in charge with OIC. His name's Dave Burke. You can look him up. He, lo- he works for echelon front. And, uh, so I was like, Holy crap. Like I was close with this guy. He was, he was very, um, like a really good officer. You know, one of the few guys that I like look back on my career and I'm like, Hey, he was awesome. I want to stay in touch with him. Right. So it's like, holy shit, Dave, you, you like, come on, you and you and Jocko need to come to <laughs> Bellatorum and do a deal, like do uh, one of your workshops. So um, it was supposed to be Dave and Jocko, but unfortunately Dave had a, a family emergency and he couldn't make it. Oh, but uh, yeah, but you know, life happens, but Jocko came by himself and uh, surprised he was able to pull it off by himself. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um but it was awesome. I mean, we had a few of our investors and some close friends, like other companies we work with, come in. But it was very intimate. I think we only had like 40 people there. And uh, we set up, uh, we have a little basketball in the warehouse area of our building. You yeah. Know? So it was very Spartan. We just had some fold-out chairs. Okay, we we, we got to talk about the office now because yeah. you are telling me and Jake about it before the mics got on. And I'm a little bit jealous because Jake and I, we've always thought... And it'd be awesome just to have the office in a warehouse, kind of have like this fantasy factory. You've got the gym, you've got mats for jujitsu, you know, you can do whatever, whatever the hell you want. sounds like you guys got this. You told me you got a rock climbing wall, you got a gym. What else you got? Let's, let's talk about the office and talk about company culture because I think it's pretty, uh, pretty cool. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. And you know, I, uh, I'm a big believer in it. Before I got my MBA while I was working at GMP land, I got a, an online degree in organizational leadership and man, I was just reading all this stuff about organizational culture and you know, the, you know, Jake from the Marine Corps, I mean, it, it matters, culture matters, but also, oh, yeah. you know, you got to take care of your people. Right. And, and if you're, if you, if you, you work a lot, you want to, you want to look forward to coming to work. Yeah. And, um, you know, to keep in mind the evolution of the company, I mean, it was Mary and I in our house at the kitchen table. And then we went to like a, we work type space. It's actually called the work lodge, which you might be familiar yeah, with. Work lodge, our, yeah. yeah. So we went into the work lodge in 2017. We were there for like 11 months. Then we moved into that business park. I was telling you about into yeah. one of the house, like condo looking, you know, yeah. what townhouse type offices. And in the same business park, um, there was a mattress company, like maybe it was their logistics hub or whatever. It wasn't a store, but they stored mattress there (laughs) and there were trucks going in and out all day. Um, so that was right across the parking lot from our little townhouse office. Like we could see the trucks going in and out all the time. Right. 
And uh, we were busting at the seams. We had fold-out tables and metal chairs and people, like, knocking each other's laptops off and spilling coffee on each other's run sheets and stuff like that. And I was like, man, we're, we're growing, outgrowing this. And it was crazy. That mattress company went out of business overnight. Like, one day there was 18 trucks in and out all day, and then the next day there was, like, a ghost town. And I called up the, the landlord. I'm like, what's going on over there? And he's like, oh, those MFers, they, <laughs> you know, they just bailed on their rent. They sent me a text message this morning saying they're, you know, they're out of business and they're not paying their rent for this month and all this. <laughs> and so, um, you know, and this, this company that, that manages this property, they also are a construction company. So they built out custom that mattress warehouse for us to, you know, to occupy and actually owner financed it, owner financed it to us. So now we own the building. Um, and really not much more expensive than what we were paying in rent at the other place. Yeah, which sounds is, like you got a hell of a deal. We got a great but deal. That's the thing, though. It's an Being outside of the opportunity, right? Like, yeah, you recognize the opportunity. You pick up a phone, make some phone calls, and all of a sudden you've got this big-ass mattress factory that's about to be the office and yeah. get it built out. No, so, it's awesome. We have, uh, like, we have a gym in there. We have some showers. And uh, and a couple of beers on tap, a couple of taps upstairs. So, yeah. yeah. So the next party, we know where it's at. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. So, you know, before before we wrap up, I mean, you you guys raised this current fund, uh, uh, twenty three million dollars, right? Twenty two. That's the one we're operating right yeah, now. We're about to divest. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So launch. you're about to divest, and you'll yeah. be launching another one. Do you have your eye on a target for the next one? I mean, you've been stepping it up. Are you guys? Yeah, everybody laughs when I say it, but I'm super serious. It's a hundred million is our target. It was yeah. actually our target last year, which I get. You know, how are you going to go from two and a half million to a hundred million? You're crazy. Well, how are you going to go from two and a half million to twenty three million? Right, that's a bigger step up. Right, that's a tenant. You know, now I'm going. 10x, for a five x yeah. yeah yeah so um and it that's not an arbitrary number i mean we generate so much deal flow i mean i got such a badass team of you know landmen that are just constantly getting finding out who owns what and getting contact with these mineral owners and yeah and we're a liquidity option for them you got to think like these these guys you know, some of the bigger funds, they don't want to mess with the smaller deals. Yeah, they don't, and, they don't want to mess around with and, the $5,000, $60,000 deal probably. Yeah. And I mean, even even like a million dollars is too small for some people. Yeah. They're like, ah, we just, we, five million is is too, is too our kind of our limit, right? And I'm like, okay, we'll <laughs> aggregate all these small guys and then give you a $5 million deal yeah. to, to buy, you know? So, and if you think about the mineral owners, they, you know, there's no... Zillow of mineral rights. There's no Remax or Century 21. Like, hey, let's go. You know, there there are some sites out there that try to be a listing option for them, but you know, and they do all right. But uh, we we got to actively be out there being a liquidity option for these guys. Mm. And so, um, long story short, is the hundred million goal comes from we have consistently passed on over hundred million dollars in deals every year. So we've gotten that type of deal flow and we just yeah. can't transact on it. So, yeah. um, you know, we think that's a good target for us. We don't want to disrupt, you know, we want to still do business with the guys that we're selling to now mm -hmm. and do business with them, but we just need more dry powder to continuously transact. Yeah. That way you don't have to pass on so much of your deal flow. Right. Makes sense. So. If anyone's listening to this podcast and they want to get in on your on your next fund, if they want to run by the office, get some rock climbing and beer, where can they find you guys? Do you have a website? Or I know you have a website because I checked it out. What's the URL? Yeah, it's bellatorum.com, B-E-L-L-A-T-O-R-U-M. 
com, and we're out in spring. And then are you on uh, LinkedIn? As Absolutely. Well? LinkedIn, Facebook. Um, and, I don't know. Yeah. So you can find them, Chris Bentley. You can find them on LinkedIn. Uh, you can go to their website. Chris, appreciate you coming on the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. This really has been fun. It. Yeah. I see me and Chris hanging out in the future, considering we live 60 seconds from each other. So <laughs> yeah. Excited that. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, just like every other episode, what helps us the most, if you could leave a really nice rating and review, it takes about 10 seconds. Go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash digital wildcatters. There's a link in the show notes. Go reach out to Chris. Tell him how much you love the episode. We will catch you guys in the next episode. Come, 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 come.